Hello and welcome to those Vicar Blokes. I'm Howell the Nerdy Vicar. And I'm Dave Coaches. So, Dave, have you been up to anything? We, we're recording this like almost less than a week after the yeah, last we are, one. Yeah, yeah, Because we, it's Christmas. So it's been a narrow time. So we're all kind of up in the air, loads and loads of work to do, etc., etc. So have you done anything? Yeah, I went to a 50th birthday party. All right. Of somebody that was, or oh, that still goes to my sending church. So that was nice. I went and saw lots of people from the church that sent me into ministry. Oh, in fish ponds? In fish ponds, yeah. So where was, where was his birthday do? It was at... It was in Olverston at a pub called The Ship. Oh, I know the one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was quite nice. It was good. Oh, that's all right. Well, I a bit was posh, all right. that, no? You know, yeah. A bit well. posh? Yeah, it was all right. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. All right, done. Um... Uh, I've been to the gym. Oh, and well, I've done that every week. Yeah, I have. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. boring. You're boring. I know. Well, you know, got to keep going, aren't they? With that, um, but it's been work. It's work, not work. paying off. Well, it is. It, according to the machine, it is. I tell you. Yeah, it's yeah. lying to you. I tell you, the new machine's not very good though, because it's, it's told me fake information. But um, yeah, getting getting stronger. Getting I bench pressed sixty kilograms last week. So I'm getting better, you know, getting stronger, enjoying it. That's the main thing, you know. I, I didn't need to go to the gym because I lifted my new armchair into the back of my car and that was like a workout. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, there we go. I had to manoeuvre it out of a house that I bought it from and manoeuvre it into my house as well. It's hard work. <laughs> so I got a new armchair as well. Yeah, you know, my uh, body fat ratio has gone down by half a percent, so it's not bad. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. What's the other thing of that? Oh, I've enjoyed watching Nigel Farage on the uh, Celebrity in the Jungle. Oh, good for you. That was yeah. good, yeah. Yeah. I've, I actually right. actually watched it with my daughter, but she wanted to watch it. Um, that's, that's pretty much it, really, because I've been working on the Christmas Tree Festival on the Saturday and we we'll let the dads out. And then, oh, I went to my sister's. That was quite nice. We had a kind of pre-Christmas Christmas. All right. So I played um, Trivial Pursuit and got too competitive. Yeah. Over that, so my sister fell out with me. Is we had this question: uh, Who is the person who switched on the torch on the Statue of Liberty, right? And she said Woodrow Wilson, right? And I said, No, 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 it's a trick question. I think it's Ronald Reagan. They did it at the American Bicentennial, right? Yeah. And she said, Oh, all right, we'll go with that. And it was Woodrow Wilson. And then that's all I've had since: is Woodrow Wilson, you stupid. Oh, what do you know? Oh. oh, oh. So she's not going on the team with me again. No. So other than that, it was, but it was a good laugh, yeah. Um, so what are we talking about today? We're talking about Nigel Farage, aren't we? Well, his, his kind of. Epic third place. Yeah, yeah. And how, how he thinks this conspiracy against him by ITV, because he was the rightful winner and he didn't win, um, because they fixed it. It was all a fiddle. It was, yeah. It was all um, a fiddle. Uh, he didn't get enough aid. What was funny with him, though, is he kept on complaining that he wasn't getting the Bush Tucker trials because it's 25% of the airtime. Right. So we kept, every time he came on, we were like, oh, it's 25% of the airtime. Uh, so what are we on about uh, in the second half? Discipleship? Well, yeah, we talk about discipleship as the fourth and final part of our study series. And then it's uh, we're talking about your favourite films. But- a very nutty Christmas. With yeah, romantic. Sabrina the Teenage Witch. A romantic Christmas film. Yeah, like the ones on Channel Five and all the rest of them. Very romantic. Yeah, wasn't it? it warmed your cockles, didn't it? No, <laughs> but anyway, 
So hold on for the music. Ryan and Dave, uh, what's the news this week? Or what's the issue this week, then? What we're looking at this week is conspiracy theories. Are you going to turn? Are you? Are they putting chemicals in the water? Well, well, there's all sorts. <laughs> you know aren't that one, don't you? There's all sorts. Yeah. So, <laughs> sorry. So for everything that goes wrong in life, now there's a theory that somebody or something has conspired against us in order to make it happen. Yeah. And and the one that caught my attention was Nigel Farage not winning Celebrity I'm in a Jungle. Oh, um, poor Nigel. I mean, I never watched a single second of it this year. Well, you boyc- Do you normally I watch it? it? Do you normally watch it? I, don't, I wouldn't say I normally watch it, but normally it's, I, I, I'll drop in and out of it if there's nothing else on. Yeah. And I might watch a challenge or two, but I don't generally watch it. I watched it. I didn't it. watch any of it this year. Um, but he didn't win because ITV conspired against him. Well, obviously, obviously, it's yeah, it's, the, so it's, it's the elites. It's the, it's it's the, the mainstream media. That's them, uh, yeah, and and the elites. And the other thing is that <laughs> that Nadine Doris is still on the telly. Oh, she now she's the she, one that's done that. Weird she was book, the the lingering MP for Mid Bedfordshire. Who, yeah, oh who, yeah, who yeah, stood yeah, down yeah. in yeah. her seat. Okay, what, well, she's lost. written a book or something, hasn't she? She's written a book, yeah, but it's not getting any mainstream media attention because it must be a the mainstream media conspire against her. But it she's on be. my telly all the time. <laughs> so how the mainstream news channels aren't showing her, I don't know. Um, so what, what's her book about? And it's about how there's this inner working within government that controls who's in charge and who does what and who does the other. Oh, yeah. And it's this little group of... I'm assuming mainly white upper class men from privileged backgrounds that control everything, but they're unseen. You know, a bit like oh. in <laughs> oh, what are those two programs? There's the old one. There's Yes Minister, isn't there? Yeah, Yes Minister that does yeah. that, and then yeah, there's yeah. that other one that was more recent. That's names escaping. The me. thick of it. Yeah. The yeah. thick of it is that nobody's in charge. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. They're quite different, but, they are. But yeah. there are people that are trying to be, aren't there, in the background? Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, it seems like she's trying to put think- reality to that. And so I think really my reflection is that if it goes wrong, somebody else is to blame and they've made it happen deliberately. But do you think, I, I, I do you think though, that they, that's just almost like a childish response? Yeah. Because it's almost like in life, right? When you're a kid, if something goes wrong, you blame other people for something that's gone wrong. Yeah. Rather than take responsibility for... Like, sometimes it is somebody else's fault or... It, to be honest with you, it's usually a mixture of a few things, isn't it? Yeah. You know, but this idea of they're all against me because of whatever is... Well, it's, it's, it's a kind of kid's response, isn't it? It's... It's infantile. It's something with, you know, somebody, when we were kids, say, if we said, oh, it's not my fault, sir, it's so-and-so, they made me do it, What? and they would say to me, well, if they told you to jump off a cliff, would you do it? Yeah. What, Remember that? If they, yeah. put, they told you to put yeah. your hand in the fire, would you do it? Yeah. You go, no, sir. Yeah? It's like that, isn't it? It is like that, to, to an extent. But I think it's more sinister than that. It is... 
I mean, we can't deny that systems do hold certain groups of people down. It's just a reality. We don't all have the same opportunities. They they don't exist for everybody. No, that's true. And there's yeah. a cultural element to to how we live that sometimes can either promote us to a position that we don't warrant or stop us to get into a position that perhaps we do warrant. Oh yeah, we, um, we that, that yeah. that's a reality. Yeah. Um but 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 that sinister nature of always wanting to to blame something that the rest of us can't see that we're too stupid to recognize is it it's just growing i think it just seems to be in everything we do yeah yeah i i'd agree with that i i think there's two things with it really i think that it's become one of those sort of shut up phrases so if somebody comes on the telly and says something right yeah they'd say well you're a conspiracy theorist Right, which has become now a kind of shut up phrase. So if someone's got a different idea to the ideas oh, that the I news see. has got, they go, "Oh, you're a conspiracy theorist." So they, so it's one of the things like you're being homophobic, you're being racist, you're being this, you're being that. It's just become one of those phrases. So you don't think that there's? You... Oh, I think there are conspiracy theorists. Yeah. And I think it is massive. But you yeah. think it's an accusation that's levelled at people who just disagree? I think sometimes, yeah. Yeah, maybe. I think it's it's something that the um, the people who don't want the dominant narrative to be questioned will say it's a conspiracy theory, and because I'm I'm being surprised at the number of things over the last few years which have been labelled as conspiracy theories have actually ended up being true. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. But it's kind of how do you sift out the wheat and the chaff because there are crazy conspiracy theories all over the place. And and something I've noticed pastorally, I don't know if you noticed this, is say 10 years ago I came across my first live conspiracy theorist, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, in Britain, I come across an American before because I think it's much more prevalent over there. I did meet somebody once who told me that uh, in about 2000, who told me when I was on on work over there, told me that uh, the UN had helicopters in valleys in in Canada that they were going to use to invade the US in the name of the UN. Right. Yeah. So obviously we went like this guy is just bonkers. Yeah. And I need. To, I was on business in this bar. Do you know what I mean? So I was in this bar. And this guy just comes up to me and starts. It was just like this guy's obviously bonkers, right? But the first one I come across in the UK was someone's. Uh, parishioner's brother who was convinced that Beyonce and other pop stars would stand in a triangle to show that they were part of the Illuminati. And you know that Illuminati sign, which is like like a triangle, isn't it? Yeah. So they weren't doing a love art, they were doing like a triangle right? to show they were in... And I just thought this guy obviously had loads of issues, so I helped him as best as I could pastorally. But what I have noticed since COVID really... The number of people who just have lost it, you know, has gone. You know, yeah. get, do, do you know what I mean? Who just yeah. believe kind of really out there things. Do you see what I mean? From the internet and... Have you come across more of them? Because I've come across quite a few. There are, yeah. Yeah, there are, there are lots of them about now, aren't there? There's loads of it. 
uh, on, on every single issue you could think yeah, of. Yeah. It's not limited anymore, you know. No, no. It used to be kind of like... Um, it used to be kind of like um, far-right extreme people who were kind of like into kind of guns and things in America. And over here, they were into kind of like this... Cabal- they were all sorts of strange things yeah. to do with the Illuminati and that. And then you had kind of the left-wing ones as well. But they were... But now it just seems to be everything, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, it like, does. It does. You know. So why do you think that is then? Why do you think... Because we can't accept responsibility for um, the things <laughs> that we cause to go wrong in our lives. On a personal level. On a personal level. And, and, and on a communal level. If we mess it up as individuals or as community or as country, um, then it's always other people conspiring against us because we don't want to admit that we're to blame. It's easy to blame other people. So if we don't get a job or something, you'd say, oh, it's because I'm whatever. Because i got a ginger beard. Yeah. And they don't like gingers. Yeah. Yeah. Or it could be... But sometimes that is... This is the thing. How do you sift the wheat and the chaff? Is that sometimes people don't get jobs because of something... they got isn't... ginger beards. Well, not ginger beards, but, you know, somebody might not get a job because they're black. Or they might not get a job because, like, they're a bloke. Or they might not get a job because they're working class or whatever. Yeah, I would tend to agree. That that, it that, does that make does it happen. really difficult to, to work out what is what the truth is in that scenario. Yeah. Um. And that gets harder when the first reaction is to assume that the deck's stacked against you for whatever reason. But isn't that the heart of, like, um, Marxism, though? Is is basically Marxism is saying that there's a global conspiracy against the working class where the, um, the elites have all the power and they will use their power to brainwash everybody else into a kind of what they call false consciousness, right? So you can never achieve anything because the system's always stacked against you. So you can never you can never climb up the hierarchy because you're because you're not part of it. Be and the hierarchy is static because that's how capitalism works. This is not, not my point of view. This is a Marxist I, point of view. But I think that that social mobility is possible, but it's rare. And therefore, I don't think that statement is true. No, no, I'm not saying it's true, but I'm saying that's a conspiracy theory, isn't it? Yeah. It's a conspiracy theory saying that, you know, uh, certain people are systemically disadvantaged, which, again, this is the trouble. It's all half-truths. That's actually... Yeah, yeah, yeah. people are systemically yeah, disadvantaged. Yeah, yeah, all this stuff is half-truths. Yeah. You know, like, you know, the... We're, so ba- really we're back to declaring it an emergency again, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's this, it's this, it's the opposite side of the same coin. Yeah, it's either one side says it's an emergency, and the other side says it's a conspiracy theory. Yeah, that's true. And then, yeah. you know, yeah, but, yeah, that's right. And you're never really sure um, what to believe. And I think that's really why conspiracy theories have gone. Uh, there's two reasons I think is why conspiracies have gone up. One is because we're constantly told now that um, certain people are disadvantaged, which is partly true, and we have to do something about it again, which is partly true. But that sort of then gives people 
a way out. So for me, for example, I could have said, oh, well, um, I'm not going to bother in school because everything's against me. So I'm never going to get a job anyway. Yeah. Which would be a rational response in growing up in Aberdeer. And there's no job for me. There's no future for me because of Thatcher and everything's destroyed. And I could just live, you know, in a really negative, bitter, resentful way. But everything I said about, you know, our community's been destroyed, there's no future, all that's kind of partly right, do you know what I mean? But if I did fail, so I didn't get out and I did fail to get jobs and stuff and things like that, then it'd be easier for me to look to other things rather than to myself, like. Yeah. You know, yeah, it would, yeah. Which is quite tempting, isn't it? Yeah. So it's actually... That's why I'm really conscious of telling people... Of telling people that they are systemically oppressed because actually, in a weird way, that's kind of oppressing them. Because it's telling them they can't get out. They can't. There's nothing they can do about it. Mm. And they have to wait for the elites to help them. Yeah, and I don't. I really don't like that. I read a book some time ago with a title that was something along the lines of "When Charity Becomes Toxic." Yeah, and it was about the um, the disabling of people by um, by giving them a narrative and then providing them to hold them in the narrative that you've given them. And it's not to say that the narrative isn't true but that you perpetuate it by your response to it. And it's along the lines of you can give them a fish or you can give them a fishing rod and teach them how to fish sort of thing. Um, yeah, yeah. And some of that speaks into it because in that blame it all on this, blame it all on that, you, you give people the reason why they why they don't need to. Well, it's always it's the same in sport now. Why did, why did Wheels not win the World Cup in 2011? Because they're not very good. No. Yeah. It's because no, it's because that dodgy French referee, right, sent off Sam Warburton for a tackle, which was fine. Because everyone's against Welsh rugby. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. 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 So it's all a con, you see. Is it you you end up going down that road rather than just accepting Yeah, see, that, I'm like, a big know. Formula One fan. Mm. And today is two years to the day since Michael Massey robbed Lewis Hamilton of his eighth world title. Oh. And he really didn't follow through the rules properly. Yeah. He, he, he didn't. There's no two ways about it. He, the rules were there. He misinterpreted them. And the, the result is not just. Mm. Most people would agree with that. However, there's lots of people that say they didn't like him because he'd already won seven and he's black. Uh, yeah. And, and, and then... so there always has to be an extra add-in. You know, they didn't want Mercedes to win because they'd won seven in a row. So, you know, they wanted somebody else. It can't be just that he... He lost. That, or there was a mistake. Well, that, that, that was a mistake yeah. in interpreting the rules. Yeah, well, that's the same with the Sam Auburn thing. Is it, you yeah. know, it was a bit of a dicey decision, maybe. But, you know, but that's the thing. But they go back to, like, the old Nigel Farage thing, right? It is true that uh, the elites hate him. That is true. They really but hate you're, him. You, but, but the elites can't hate him because he is one of the elites. Ah, no. And his biggest fan club and those all that support him are the elites. Yeah, but that's the weird thing, is that what we've got is two elites, isn't it? We've got the kind of 
uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg kind of old school business elites, right? Who are all businessy people, yeah. Right? yeah. And then you've got the the new elite who've come along in the last like 50, 40, 50 years who aren't business people, who work in the media, universities, uh, the public sector, those sorts of people. And they basically hate the other elite and they both hate each other. So it's not kind of like the powerful people against the power lesser and his two powerful groups yeah who are fight who are both all of whom are elite all of who call each other call each other the elites who are holding the rest of you down that's right yeah Yeah, now we've promoted a conspiracy theory that's not a conspiracy no maybe not but you know that's i'm just saying it's a bit like i was thinking about it before is um you know in the medieval world right because i think we're kind of in a way going back to that in some ways right in the medieval world, you always had the church versus the state yeah. versus the king, basically, wasn't it? Yeah, or the barons versus the king, yeah. yeah? And I think that's what it is. It's kind of like almost the public sector, universities, maybe the church is a bit part of that. They've got the kind of point of view and the kind of narrative that they push in, yeah. right, that serves their interests, okay, and they always want the same things. And then you've got the other elites, who want the complete opposite, but really what they're saying is they both want something that serves their interest. Yeah. So if you work for a university, right, you want more public funding for universities, don't you? Yeah. Yeah? Because you work... So so they just... But they hate... In a way, rather than just listening to each other, they just ended up hating each other. And people are drawn into this kind of like conspiracy theories things because yeah because like one side will say oh it's a conspiracy that Nigel Farage is on telly all the time and the other people will say it's a conspiracy that he's not on telly all the time yeah isn't it so there's no conspiracy at all I don't think I couldn't care less if I never saw him again well I'm not a big fan do you know what I mean I just think he's funny sometimes but do you know what I mean I think you know that's it really I think he, yeah. you know, I don't, but I don't think he's the devil. But I think to a lot of people, he is the devil, isn't he? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that is the view. Um, well, the devil's Margaret Thatcher. Do you know what I mean? You need to get it right, you see. So that's the thing. That's yeah, the but, thing. but there's been nobody as Thatcherite as him since Thatcher. So. Well, that's why I don't like him. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's why I don't like him. But. Yeah, but I don't hate him. I don't... But some people really hate him, don't they? I I think hate is too... Hate is too self-consuming for me to bother with it. Oh, not for but you people personally, do, but yeah. people do, yeah. People do, and, and, then, you... and, and then it just eats them up. Not, and what's the point? It's, it's the opposite to grace and forgiveness. Yeah. And, and you know. Um, what I find really interesting, maybe we finish with this, is with these conspiracies, is that we were told, right, that if we got rid of Christianity, they call it religion, but really meant Christianity. If we get rid of it, then everyone will be united and everything will be great and uh, rationality and reason will win, right? And then that was the big, the yeah. atheist thing, yeah? And then we had Brexit, and then we've just descended into a kind of like pseudo-religious war. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it's just well, I was just on the way here actually, and and Keir Starmer was saying that they haven't just uh, touched up the paint on the Labour Party. It's been a complete knockdown and rebuild since the last election. Oh, is it? Um, that's four years to the day since we since Boris won his big majority. Oh, is it? Oh, that's flipping yeah. heck. So um, so yeah, that, that that's an example of that, isn't it? Yeah. Really. Yeah, it's all. So I think really, maybe I think when we did the Bible bus trip, what was clear is that you had two different ideas which were different, say Job and uh, the Ten Commandments. So the Ten Commandments says what goes around comes around, isn't it? Yeah. Well, Job said sometimes bad things happen to you, you haven't done anything yeah. wrong. And the Christian way of thinking is to have that nuance and to understand that two things can be true at the same time. Yeah. And I think that's what we've lost. Yeah. So there we are then. So next time we're on about uh, what is discipleship. So thanks for listening to uh, those Wic- those vicar blokes. Got yeah, what we called those vicar blokes. Yeah, all right. Yeah, those vicar blokes. Don't forget to subscribe and send it round. Uh, to your mates, share it around, talk about it, um, just and also comment on the Substack or comment in person if you want us to talk about a certain issue or if you want us to uh, watch some uh, t- TV or films that you like. Yeah. So we've got the last uh, thing now for our Advent courses. Now we've done what is what is the church, what is worship, what is prayer, and now we're doing what is discipleship. Yeah. So, Dave, what is discipleship? Ed? Well, in its simple form, disciple means a follower of. Yeah. So I could be a disciple of Bristol Rovers because I'm a follower of Bristol Rovers. But it takes on a distinctive characteristic when we put it in the sense of a follower of Christ. I don't know about that. I think I think it, it, I think it's. I think you can be a disciple of other things. Like you have people who are disciples of. Uh, some people are disciples of Marxism and things like that. Oh yeah, Do you yeah. See what I mean? Yeah, that that would be true. Yeah. So I think it's, but it's, that's because they've made it their own religion. Yeah, yeah. So I think where it comes from is that idea of sitting at the master's feet, isn't it? So that idea of being a disciple where you'd sit and listen to the person you want to learn from and try and emulate that person, isn't it? Yeah. So that could be that that could be for and emulate, it's that element yeah. of emulation that, that yeah that falls into the the distinctive nature of a discipleship that is deeper than just being a follower of. Yeah, it's like the karate kid. Do you remember the karate kid? Yeah. Right? Well, yeah. Yeah, so the karate kid was a disciple of Mr. Miyagi. Wasn't Mr. He? Miyagi, yeah. Yeah, because he wanted, not just he wanted to learn how to fight karate, he had to learn how to be like Mr. Miyagi, didn't he? He did. Yeah? Like... Uh, wax on. Wax off. Wax off. Oh, sorry, it's, I'm getting ready for the new series of... Uh, Cobra Kai season. Right, just okay. like That's going to be something we're going to watch when it comes around. I love Cobra Kai. Oh, really? Yeah, it's brilliant. Anyway, that's another thing. You but do watch some rubbish. Cobra Kai is brilliant. 
Anyway, so, but basically, yeah, that's this idea. It's about wanting to emulate somebody, yeah. not Jesus. So how do we do that then? What uh, what What is... Well, okay. I'm going to just roll us back before we answer that question. Because what we have in our churches is a complete lack of understanding what it means to be a disciple of Christ. Because discipleship just seems to be a, a, a term that's labelled as jargon. Um, and it doesn't mean anything to most of our congregations across our mission area. I'd agree with that, yeah. Um, and therefore, in its, it, in its very most basic form, it's not understood to even mean a follower of. What they look at is the fact that if we talk to them about discipleship, they're going to start coming to a study group. We're going to send them off on um, growing leaders then exploring Christianity and five years down the line, they're going to be ordained into the priesthood because that's what, that's the pattern that we've made discipleship look like in the church. For a long time, really. For Yeah. yeah, yeah I don't think it's new. No. I, th- I think it's, as soon as anybody shows that they're a, a dedicated follower of, of Jesus, then all of a sudden we're trying to stick a dog collar on them. Yeah. Well, it's like people say to me, when did you go into the ministry, isn't it? Yeah. So it assumes that ministry is... Vicary. It's ordained and it's only, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. only valid form of ministry, you know, and that's just so, so wrong. But, but uh, I think that's not in defence of other dioceses. I think the other dioceses I've been in have been further ahead on that than Bristol. I think Bristol's woefully behind. Uh, it's one of the first things I noticed, really, when I came down here from Litchfield and before that Blackburn, is how one-dimensional ministry and discipleship was. In other words, it was sort of like you do alpha, you do this, and in the end you you know then you go to selection conference, then you go to Trinity because that's the only theological college in the world, and then you go and be a whoa 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 roll that back a minute roll that back. Well, that is the way it's it works. not the only theological college in the world. But when you've lived in the greatest city in the world, <laughs> why would you want to live anywhere else? Okay, okay. So, you know, yeah, there's yeah. a factor All of right. it, see. No, no, but you know what I mean? Is it, it's, it's that narrow um, yeah. perception of what discipleship yeah. is, you know. But So there is hope that all of the other places where it's not quite as bad as that. Um, so, like, in Litchfield, we used to do a course called Pathways to Ministry. Yeah. And which is a bit like exploring Christianity. And what, what the purpose of that course was for the people doing it to discern what God was, what ministry God was calling them to be. And they had the choice of about seven or eight ones they could do. Yeah. And then they were licensed as like an evangelist or a children's worker or a pastor. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So why do you think that you said you rolled it back to say that we're not very good at discipleship? Well, well we, we've made it. A frightening word mm. because um, most people aren't called to be ordained and they know it. Oh yeah, you know. And so, so yeah. as, as soon as you start to get too interested, it might accidentally happen. And there's people <laughs> like you and me who, who resisted it for a long time, yeah. even though we were called. Yeah. Well, you 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 weren't very resilient against it, were you? Really, you jacked in a good job for it. Whereas, <laughs> Um, I resisted I it for best. a long time. I had a different um, tactic. My tactic was to be honest in the interviews, and they tell me no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they told me yes instead. Yeah, I just had a bad plan. Well done. 
I, I think I think that they conspired against you, but still. Yeah, they did. But yeah, so and most people aren't called, and those that are, uh, it's a very specialised, different sort of direction. Yeah. Um. So th- courses that try to establish that are also a bit frightening. Um. It needs to be a bit more, um. Organic, I suppose, in helping people to follow Christ, to try and be more Christ-like, um, to recognise that um, we're made in God's image, and that's not about how we look, that's about how we're supposed to act and mm. be and present ourselves. And, and I don't mean an artificial presentation of ourselves. We're not talking I'm a celebrity in the jungle or, no, no, or Big no. Brother. I mean, no. actually, to work on our spiritual nature to um, embody what it is Christ calls us to embody, to be part of that body of Christ. Do you think that's because of lack of role models? Or? Because the only role model we have a lot of the time in church is, is the priest. Yeah. We don't actually have other people who are elevated as good disciples of Christ that we can identify and then say, I want to be like that guy. Yeah, that's a really good point. Do you see what I mean? Maybe we've modelled it so badly for so long that we're that we're having to to completely rebuild what it should be. Well I think partly, but I think what we've what we've missed really is this sort of sense of like I can think of two or three people just off the top of my head who are uh, I'm not gonna name them because they'll kill me. Um in our parishes, who are excellent disciples of Christ in the way they work yeah. out their ministry as lay people. Yeah. And have as much devotion to God, if not a little bit more sometimes, I think, than me. But we're not actually and and some of them aren't in roles of responsibility in the church. They're just people being followers of Christ and being like Christ-like in the way they live their lives. Yeah. But we don't... It's hard, though, isn't it? But I think if I did say to those people, oh, well, would you like to be a role model and we can talk about you and say how great you are, they turn around and go, oh, I'm not doing that. Yeah, they would, yeah. Because one of the values of following Christ is humility and they've got too much of that to want to be at the front. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I do see what you mean, yeah. So it's a bit, it is difficult, isn't it? Because it's really being a good dad or being a good mum or being a good gran is about being a good disciple, emulating Jesus in the way we live day to day, isn't it? Yeah. You know, as I was thinking about the reading for Sunday, we've got um, Elisha, don't we? Do you want to do the reading for Sunday? Can you remember which one it is? Yeah, yeah, I uh, know which one it is. Yeah. yeah it's, it's where... Um... Where Elijah goes and uh, puts his his cloak over um, Elisha, and he says, "All right, well, I'm just going to go kiss my mum and dad goodbye then," and then kills the 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 um, oxen that are basically the livelihood for his family and probably several other families. Um, boils them up, they all eat, um, and he kisses his parents goodbye and goes off to to leave them to die. In effect. Um, it's pretty dark, isn't it? It's pretty dark. Um, 
Well, I as I've told as I've told many senior members of the clergy, safety is not a Christian value. No. <laughs> No, well... It's about self-offering, isn't I, it? I think what we miss in that passage a lot of the time is the fact that he's taken away their livelihood as he's left them. He's he's boiled the ploughing cattle and now they've eaten them, so there's no more ploughing. So there's um, got to be a cost for yourself and for those you love in ministry. A great cost. In, in, uh, in discipleship. A great cost in, in Elisha terms. Um I don't think the cost for most of us is quite that high. No. Um, but there are costs. There are elements that that to truly follow Christ means you have to put other things aside or leave them behind. But isn't that just the, the fundamental nature of human relationships? Is that in living the way we're created to live, right? Yeah. We will necessarily give up material wealth, right, and superficial things in order to have relationships. So getting married is is done at great cost, isn't it? I, I bet you Elaine would say that. Being married to you is, is, on one level, a great cost, isn't it? Well, she'll be numbered amongst the saints one day, won't well, she? Well, she will. Uh, yeah. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Um, but no, but anything being being a father is, uh, or a mother, or a grandmother, or a friend is, you you have responsibilities to other people that you must fulfil, right? And with those responsibilities comes the fact that you have to give up yeah. a large proportion of your own freedom, yeah, to fulfil that calling, yeah. Yeah, you do. That's the thing. You know, but we just do it naturally because we love each other, but we don't actually think about... We don't count the cost, do we? We love without counting the cost. Yeah. We don't think about, you know, how much money it costs us to have kids. and People do, that's why no, they don't have people do, it. that's why they don't have kids, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's you can work out how much it costs, you'll never have them. Yeah. Well, my dad said that to me when we had lids. He goes, he goes, oh, well, there we are. If you put it on a piece of paper, you'll never do it, will you? And he's right, because it's financially ridiculous. Yeah. Which is why so many people now aren't having children, because they're not looking at the world in a in the way of discipleship, of offering yourself for others, for the other. They want to, to keep... Well, that's why people have kids later, isn't it? Because they want to hang on to the the life that they're enjoying yeah without the sacrifice that comes with kids yeah you know you want to be able to still go out and you still want to have those holidays and you still want to you know even to an extent have your career um we're living in a in a kind of adolescence yeah. isn't it you don't want to grow up i wouldn't say it's it's an adolescence i'd say it's more about living in the moment Mm. We're encouraged greatly to to hang on for living in the moment. Is that a conspiracy theory? Mm, I don't think so. Um, I think you're right, but it might be. I, d- I don't no, I don't know. think it's a conspiracy theory. I, 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 think think... It's, I think it's dead right. I think it's is is if your life is empty and you don't have a lot of love, it's easy to encourage those people to fill their life full of junk that you're going to sell them. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. 
is if your life is full of love for others, love for God, love for your community, and that's what you truly live for, which is what um, discipleship is, is emulating, being like Jesus and living for others and for God, putting yourself second all the time um, and hoping that people will put you first, isn't it? So yeah. I put hopefully try and put myself second in the hope that other people in my family will put me first. I trust them enough. And how's for that, that working out? Oh, no, not too bad. Really. Oh, that's good. No, then. no, no, no. In fairness, you know, that's the thing is, 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 you've got to trust God. You've got to trust your family. You've got to trust your friends to be there for you, in as you will be for them, isn't it? Yeah. That's the essence of discipleship in following Jesus, emulating Him. But the trouble is, if we emulate Jesus, we get. Yeah. Yeah. Look but what sometimes happens to him. we think that means being nice all the time. Ooh. And Leisha's a good example that that doesn't necessarily mean being nice all the time. Can you name one nice person in the Bible? Anna. Anna? Yeah. Hmm. Is she nice? Everything that she said in the narrative in the Bible was positive. But bearing in mind that she was only in it for like about sentences. six six verses tops. Yeah. Do, yeah, do you so say I know one so people remember. Oh, okay, that. so yeah. um at the presentation of Christ in the temple that we celebrate at Candlemas, which is when you should take your Christmas decorations down at the end of January. Um she is the the prophetess who um proclaims um the Messiah's presence. Yeah. Um, in an echo of Simeon's proclamation, really. Yeah. Um, but he's not very nice, but he says to Mary, a sword will pierce your own soul yeah. too. Whereas everything she says is hugely positive and she's been waiting a blooming long time for, well, for that moment nice, in her though, life. Because she's a she's been hanging around the temple for donkey's years, right, waiting for this Messiah to turn up. Yeah, so it's but not a nice she must life. have been busy at the time, well, sweeping the know. floors or something. But when you say praying that, for the community, yeah. it depends. It, it, yeah, but I don't think being nice. I think this is the thing: is if we follow Jesus, we're not nice. Because actually, being nice is about being superficial and being sentimental. Yeah, and the enemy of goodness is sentimentality, and I do think that. If you look around our world now, a lot of things which pass as goodness are just sentimentality. And that's why the Bible and Christianity is so wonderful, is because it, it isn't sentimental. It's tough, like Elisha. Yeah. And all the rest of them. And the women as well, like, you know, Deborah in the Old Testament, even Mary. Mm. You know, that is a nightmare for her. Yeah. He's the, Jesus is the nightmare son. Yeah. I wouldn't like to have Jesus as a son. Well, he gets himself in all that trouble, doesn't he? he yeah, but you've heard that carol, haven't you? What? No crying he makes. Well, I, I he, tell you, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want Jesus. What a dreadful line that is, that carol. Well, it's Victorian, but that's the thing: it's Victorian sort of um, sentimentality, isn't it? Is that? How do you know he's alive if he don't cry? Well, it's, it's uh, Victorian uh, uh, sentimentality. Well, exactly. Yeah. Well, that was one of the things that, that, um, that when kids are born, when they're not crying, you want to hear them crying because then you know they're alive. <laughs> you know, yeah. 
great. <laughs> my dad said that to me when Andrew was a baby. He goes, have you checked he's alive yet? Because they look so so peaceful, don't they? Yeah. So we give him a poke. Oh, yeah, he's all right. Yeah, okay. With a new parent alert. like Yeah. So we've talked a little bit, a lot about discipleship in the sense of basically it is about following Jesus, trying to emulate him and getting to know Jesus as much as you can, isn't it? Yeah, but but there's a, a dangerous line between emulation and because we're not just trying to copy him. No. What we're trying to do is grow our characters to be more like his. Just copy his character, not his life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We shouldn't go round looking for a well in order to have an exchange with somebody from <laughs> from a different town. That's not what, no. what that's not what it's about. No. It's about trying to um live by his values and his laws. Mm. Um you know. And to follow the, the great commandment from the end of Matthew's gospel. Just to, to go and be disciples who make disciples. Yeah. Is in and I think if we live that way, I think hopefully that something will happen naturally. Yeah. Because I think that's why people are terrified of evangelism in a sense, because they think it's kind of like standing around with a big sort of sign and things and the end of the world is now. But it's actually just about living your life as best as you can around Jesus and being the person who's filled with those virtues as much as yeah. you can. Yeah, and and, and, and being honest. And, and we won't we recognise that that we're the body of Christ on earth as followers of Christ and that we all have different gifts and talents and skills and different callings from God on our lives in order to be part of that body, that church. So this is where we link the whole course together that, you know, it's about what it means to be church as one body of a number of disciples working together to um, let people know in the world that God loves them and cares for them. And let people know that it is a truth. Yeah. And, and, that, and that, that, that how you worship and why you worship generally isn't necessarily relevant. It's about being drawn to your knees and following him. It's about, it's about your attitude in worship. Yeah. And your attitude in prayer, not how you do it. Yeah. Because if you get the attitude right, the rest will follow. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay. So that's great. So that's the end of that. Next week we're on about Christmas, because it is Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. And uh, in a minute... Oh, no, bar humbug. Oh, yeah, bar humbug. In a minute, we're, we're going to talk about romance Christmas films. <laughs> You are listening to those Vicar Blokes. And I'm like, Howell, I know what we're called. Yeah, thanks for so, that. Yeah, yeah you're right. welcome. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, like, subscribe, follow, be our disciples. Um, <laughs> you, sound like the, you sound like the Emperor now from yeah, yeah. Return of the Jedi. <laughs> we're, only, we're only pointing to Jesus there, and that's a very good sort of way. We got our first... Um, Post. Oh, yeah, we As did. As in, like, physical post posted through my letterbox. Oh, yeah, about so AI. So if, if you want us to see anything, then, you know, comment on the Substack or post it through my letterbox. And thank you to the person who 
posted it. Although you did say that you were our regular listener as opposed to a regular listener. So uh, oh, well, a bit sad we got, that we've only got one. No, I think we got more than one. Yeah, I've seen the right. stats. That's yeah. pretty good. What was it called? It was called what was A Very it? Nutty a Christmas. A Very Nutty Christmas. So I've set Dave... Uh, a task to watch a romance Christmas film called A Very Nutty Christmas. I didn't do all my own work. Couldn't you watch it? I watched some of it. I watched some of it, then I dozed off. <laughs> um, it was boring. <laughs> it was just so typical. <laughs> anyway, storyline. So we've got this line. woman who runs the bakery, right? They always run a bakery. Sabrina yeah. the Teenage Witch. Yeah. She didn't twitch her nose, though, and I would have thought she would when the flower went up well, it. She was about 40-odd, wasn't she? Yeah, She's like, by yeah. the by. She's yeah. aged. Yeah, she has she aged. aged quite well, to be fair to her, you know, what? better than you and I. Yeah. But, um, All right, some another steps incident this week yeah. now. Okay, yeah. That would be right. a tragedy, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be a tragedy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> so Sabrina the Teenage Witch, who's now in her 40s, running a bakery. Yeah. Um, workaholic, took more orders than she could deal with, didn't check with her staff that they were happy to work the overtime, which they generally weren't. Um, but she was she was a little bit of a tyrant on that as well. She was, yeah. She wasn't goes. very nice. She wasn't was very she? nice to them, no. though. Um, expected more than they were able to give mm. or that she should have been asking them to give. Um, and then she gets dumped. Yeah, she gets dumped by Father Christmas, doesn't she? Yeah. Yeah, by her actor boyfriend. Yeah. yeah. And so um, having be dumped, it all turns bad, doesn't it? Yeah. Miserable. Until some fantastical event where where a Christmas decoration that she broke she went comes to the Christmas to life. market. They all go to the Christmas market. They went. To, she went to the Christmas market and she was given the original Nutcracker. Right, right okay. Yeah, you must have fallen asleep in this ah, bit. Dazed. Right, yeah, yeah. And then the original Nutcracker comes to life, who's this like very handsome man who's dressed up as the Nutcracker, Yeah. who guides her through the rest of the film and shows her the wonderful magic of Christmas. Yeah. And at the end of the film, guess what happens? I didn't get to the end. Do they fall in love? No, not that he's ah. a doll. He's not. He's not a person. Yeah, but is he? he's he's reality then, isn't he? No, she thinks she's gonna fall in love with the Nutcracker, but she can't because he's a doll. Ah. so she he shows the Nutcracker shows um, the baking woman right this other bloke who she falls in love with uh, and has a kiss at the end. Right. Yeah. Oh. oh, you missed out, man. So so basically, it was one of those Christmas films, and they've all got the same plot, where <laughs> where life's all great until life's not great, and Christmas is ruined, but then come the end of it, Christmas is saved because some handsome bloke kisses you. Yeah, right, that's it, okay. yeah. But, well, no, it's a bit more than that. Usually what it is, right, they all follow the same thing, is... Because I've seen quite a lot of these. They're all on Channel 5. There's tons on Netflix. Yeah, well, this right, one yeah. was on Amazon, wasn't it? Yeah, it was on Amazon. It was yeah, on ITVX yeah. as well as it goes. Was it? Oh, it was because right, yeah. I talked to my Sky and said a what it was, Christmas. and then it came up on ITVX. Mm. But basically, they all follow the same thing. You have somebody who sometimes gets dumped at the beginning, because it's always a woman, right? And the women are always in their 40s, aren't they, in these films, right? That take it yeah, from generally they the are. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. I was just thinking about it. Yeah, and the women uh, are either in a relationship with a bloke who isn't really that interested in her and doesn't really want to commit. Yeah, right? yeah. 
or she's a kind of workaholic and doesn't really not interested in having relationships, right? Then Christmas comes around and she bumps into this bloke who always looks like someone from the kind of like uh, catalogue model or something. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. She pops into someone who looks, they all look the same, these blokes. They're very sort of solid jaw, right? And uh, then basically they almost kiss about four times. They've got this way of kissing where they almost go, oh, they're going to kiss. And they're not going to kiss because it's the only kiss right at the end. Yeah. The snow comes, right? Because you'd have to get the titles come up and the film end. That's it. Yeah, that's it. So you think, oh, no, they're not going to kiss. It's half an hour yet. And then usually there's a misunderstanding at about an hour. And then they, they fall out the nah, and then they come back together and then they kiss at the end. And they usually the women are putting on some kind of Christmas pageant or some Christmas thing. Yeah. Right, like that. And um that's it. They they I I, I think they're brilliant. I and think they make hell. and they make Christmas really magical, don't they? Well they do because they have a kiss at the end with the CGI snow, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. You're brilliant. not into these <laughs> I, I think they're hilarious. Well, I think they're brilliant. I've only, I don't think I've only. I think I've watched about two um, this Christmas so far. Bearing in mind, no, in total, like we're only like thirty. I weeks usually walk in on them. Do you know what I mean? I usually like walk in on them, but you can you could walk in halfway through and you don't have to have seen the beginning of the film. You know what I mean? So you just like, yeah, yeah, and you just like watch the end of it. But they are funny because they're so badly written. Oh, I was so thought she was going to kiss the Nutcracker and he was going to be real. No. You, that's not the story. No, the story is it's got to be the bloke. Who yeah, but you don't normally have the Nutcracker in there, do you? No, he's, he's a bit he, different now. He's, he's, he's to make the story more spicy. Yeah, he is a bit. Yeah, yeah. So and it, did she manage to get the delivery made? Yeah, she did because they all came together because at the of end. the magic of Christmas. Because right. she'd had the kiss. Yeah, that's right. And no, it was no, all... no, no. She had the kiss after she made the delivery. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. Anyway, so why do you think these are so popular then? Because there's thousands of them. Because it's easier to live in a fantasy world than it is in a real world. It's just a bit of fantasy. It's escapism, isn't it? Yeah. So why do you think they're popular, though? I know they're escapism okay. and they're just stupid, but why Why are they popular? Well, they're popular with you because you need to let your inner romantic escape. No, there's nothing romantic about them. They're just stupid, but yeah. No, 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 no. I just think they're funny. Why do you think they're popular? They're not really popular with men, are they? Like, I wouldn't say... I watch them because, like... Steady. They're You'll not. get us in trouble. Do, do you think... I, I, I don't think they're very popular with men. You do get some gay ones, which are really funny, which are exactly the <laughs> you're same. You're going to get us in so much trouble. No, no, they're really funny. It's really quite sweet, that one is, because you've got, like, two blokes, and, like, it's exactly the same story, but with two, right, blokes. But with two blokes. blokes. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. You've got to get the Hallmark ones, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, the Hallmark channel. I don't know why they're popular, really. I can't get my head around that. Especially considering the fact that they're the same story over and over and over again. Um, is it because generally, I don't know, generally people perceive themselves as stuck somewhere and they like the fantasy of it all? But they're, they're very popular in books, like Mills and Boone books are still quite popular, aren't they? Are they? Yeah. Like I romance books are really popular. Yeah. So why is that, do you think? Is it because we lack romance, so we got to find? But it they're not else? romantic, though, in the sense they have a certain type of romance, aren't they? Very, very formulaic, aren't they? Yeah, they're not kind of. They're not. Um, is that because we're pre-programmed to think that's what romance is meant to look like? No, I think they they 
they're fantasies, right? They're just fantasies. They're archetypal fantasies, basically. What I want to know is when are they going to make a movie where romance is defined as taking your wife to McDonald's and buying her a burger? <laughs> when you make it yourself on the oh, right, okay. When you film yourself, take the lane to the... To the <laughs> But we're not. I'm not a romantic person at all. I don't do any of that. I don't do flowers. Well, McDonald's. I don't do nothing. Not really. No, I don't no. do that either. Like, well, I don't do traditional that sort of romance at all. I think it's really cringy and just we've never done any of that. Yeah, but you take your wife to the cinema with you. Yeah. You go out for like nice meals at the cozy club. Yeah, we do you nice know, stuff. So that's romance, isn't well, it? Oh yeah, we went to TGIs and watched The Exorcist afterwards. That was a fantastic date night. Yeah. That was. You know, but we just do what we like to do as a couple. I think that's what's the. I think that's the best thing is just to do what what. Well, these are all stereotypes, aren't they? Yeah. These are all like kind of fantasies, and they're so stereotypical. Do I reckon they are? I reckon they're the female equivalent of nineteen eighties buddy cop films, action movies. Do you remember like Steven Seagal movies yeah. and stuff like that? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now hard just, to kill. Hard to kill, like, yeah, that's the film. one, yeah. Under Siege, yeah. Under Siege 2. So if you had a Steven Seagull film, right, and there's hundreds of them, right, there's loads of them, right, yeah? Yeah. You're laughing at because you've seen loads of them, yeah. I've seen a few. Yeah. <laughs> I was laughing because you called him Seagull. Steven Seagull, yeah. it, yeah? Seagull. Yeah, that's it, yeah, Steven Seagull. Well, what he does, at the end of Under Siege 2, when he... Kills the bad guy, isn't it? Right, yeah. And he's he's got a thing because he's a chef. He goes, "No one beats me in the kitchen." Yeah, oh, it's just brilliant. But the thing is, they're so formulaic, right? Because they are the archetype of masculine heroism. And even if you're not a violent person, or you don't like violence. Men will watch that, right? Because it's a fantasy. Do you see what I yeah. mean? It's so over the top and stupid, right? It's just a silly fantasy for an hour and a half where we don't really want to be you know, a like boring. But they're stupid. They enjoy it. They're laughing, they? But a lot of people watch them because they're fantasies. And I think the same thing with the Christmas films is that women like them because not because they want that life or anything, but that's just it's just what they you know, it's just a laugh, isn't it? You and I are very different in this, aren't we? Because y- you quite enjoy the fantasy stuff, and I don't really enjoy the fantasy stuff. I'm more the grit of reality. Yeah, but fantasy... And although lots of that is archetypal anyway... Yeah. Um, I think it's a wish-fulfillment thing, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? That they, like, they are targeted, obviously, at women in their 30s and 40s, because that's who the protagonists are. So it is a kind of like wish fulfillment thing, isn't it? Do you see what I mean? And there are there are sort of hardwired. Don't you think it sets the rest of us up for failure? No, you know, because because there they are, all sat down with their tissues, watching these romance films, expecting all men to be that romantic. They don't. They don't. Though. They don't. It's just it's it's the same way. If I watched Steven Seagal's under siege too i don't expect all men to be like that it's just a silly thing it's just a a, a silly fantasy isn't it i think it does they do these silly fantasies do tell us something about society which is quite interesting so a yeah. lot of them are about kind of a rejection of 
modern life. Yeah. So they, the the women, they usually work as bakers and stuff and things like that. They've all got those sorts of jobs, right? And sometimes the men are men from the big city who don't don't really know what they want, and then they meet. You know, so it's all about this sort of yearning for a kind of more simpler life. Yeah. So that's what the real fantasy is. It isn't about romance at all. It's about yearning for a simpler way of living. Yeah. And do you see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's the same with the action movies. It's a, a simpler world of good versus evil and, you know, yeah. the hero comes in and saves people and stuff, you know. like. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. No. Because actually what they're, what they're dreaming about actually is something quite good, really. Mm. You know? Yeah. But you don't enjoy them? No. <laughs> Does your lady watch them? No. Don't you? No. Oh, loads of people watch them. In the comments. Put in the comments if you watch the romance films. If you're a soppy fool who likes the I'm romance I'm not soppy. Films. I just laugh at them. Yeah. I just think they're hilarious. I... I just go. I just sit there cracking up because they're just really bad, really bad. Yeah. Okay. So Dave's not into these. Okay. So um, next time uh, we're talking about Christmas, some issues, and uh, we'll be talking about um, what's the thing for next time? Should we do Christmas films? Yeah. What one? Well, I'm going to see Die Hard in the pictures. Right. Okay. Yeah. So why don't we talk about talk about the Die Hard or a Christmas? You've got you've seen Die Hard, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. Should we talk about that's yeah, the yeah. best Christmas film ever? Yeah. I think. Or do you have you got a Christmas film you like? No, no. We'll do Die Hard if you like. Yeah. It's either that we're going to have to do Home Alone, aren't we? So Home Alone's quite good. Home Alone is quite good. Yeah. We could talk about lots of them because they're very sort of similar, aren't they? Yeah, but I've got time to watch them all. But you must have seen. Week. Them. You must have seen them. Yeah. You've seen Home Alone. Yeah, but i got to try and remember then, am I? Well, you must have seen it recently, Home Alone. Last year. But there, there was are. a question on the quiz on Radio 2 last week, on the Thursday. Yeah. Um, about Home Alone. Um, what it was the bandits called themselves. The, the Wet Bandits? Alone. Yeah. And I didn't remember that. Didn't you? You'd have got the point. I never got oh. the point. I tell you what we could watch it's really good. is the Arnold Schwarzenegger one. I love that one. Uh, Jingle All The Way. Jingle all the way, all right. I haven't seen that one. Oh, um, yeah. Well, you so watched watch that, that, right? And I've seen that. I used to watch it every Christmas Eve with my kids before they went to bed. That was our right, thing okay. when they were little. Yeah. Right. I quite Jingle like all the way. Makes me feel like it's Christmas Eve. Brilliant. You know? All right. So we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.